This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax, which she said podcast. I am apparently always doing the intro. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And because it's the off season, we say this every week. Um, we're looking more at dialogues, right? There's not a lot of stats. There's not a lot of information out there right now. Not, not a lot of breaking news outside of, of course, the Packers bringing back Kevin King as their cornerback addition. And of course they also brought back Mercedes Lewis, which was pretty big for the offense and kind of the cohesion there. So big dog, big dog. (laughs) What we thought we'd talk about today is just, of course, Kevin King thoughts on the Kevin King return. And then kind of what Brian Gutekunst and his MO have been in his few years as the Packers general manager, Ted Thompson obviously approached things a lot differently and we're kind of seeing an emerging pattern in the way that uh, Goot kind of builds his roster. So, Perry, let's first talk about Kevin King, because I don't know if you were on Twitter, but that was pretty polarizing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think everything related to Kevin King tends to be polarizing. And uh, and you know what? It's fair. I- I'm not going to sit here and tell Packers fans like not to be frustrated by this, because it's completely fair, right? Kevin King, it's not like it was he was a perfect player and then all of a sudden for some reason he had a bad game in the NFC Championship game. You know, it he's been inconsistent his entire career with Green Bay and not just on the field but like injury-wise as well. He's never played a full season, 16 games. You know, there there's a lot of reasons to be frustrated and then you kind of look at like the Malcolm Butler signing today. And not to say that I wanted Malcolm Butler, but just like the monetary comparison between him and Kevin King can also, I think, frustrate fans in that, you know, could we have allotted that $6 million, um, to someone else? But because we're us, um, <laughs> he is now going to be on the team for the 2021 season. And so, like, it's, it's I think we have to do him right and try to look at this in a way, okay, he's back. What does this mean? What are the pros of this? What does this potentially mean for the draft? What does this mean for the roster next season? Um, and and try to find a way to understand this objectively from a GM standpoint. So I think that's what we're going to do. Yeah, and I mean, I think that you can look at this, you can have multiple opinions, right? Nothing you're feeling has to be mutually exclusive. Like right. you can be kind of frustrated. You can see the benefit of Kevin King returning. I've seen, you know, some opinions on Twitter that say having Kevin King and a rookie is better than just a rookie as far as development. And I do agree with that. I think that, you know, having a vet presence 
whether or not it was Kevin King, you know, you could have made the same case for, like you said, Malcolm Butler, Casey Hayward, Richard Sherman, you know, having a vet there with a rookie is still more beneficial to the Packers in 2021 than just going in with relying on rookies. We've seen kind of in the, own, in the division, what happened with Jeff Akuda and the lions, right. the Vikings had a really young secondary. So it makes sense, but I, I do agree with you that you don't have to, you know, just love it because the Packers did something. And I, that's kind of what we're seeing with Kevin King. He, he reminds me of Blake Martinez, very polarizing for kind of the role that he played on the team. And, you know, you either loved him or hated him. It doesn't really feel like there's a middle with Kevin King. And, you know, unfortunately he will always be tied to TJ Watt and the production that he has. So I think, such you an know, unfair comparison. To it is. Me, to be honest, they're completely different players at different positions. Like, I, I do hate that for him. Yeah, and he doesn't deserve that. And, you know, <laughs> I know that you can you can improve CB2, but we've talked a lot on this show about Jair Alexander locking up half of the field, what that does for your defense. And playing CB2 in Green Bay is tough. It yeah. will be tough as long as Jair Alexander is playing. Right. And it would be, honestly, to me, and this is like, I think me justifying this, and I'd feel this way about any vet. And and I don't know, I, I have my thoughts on whether there were other players out there that would have been upgrades, but take it for what it is, okay, Kevin King's back. Like, I think it's riskier to trot out a rookie week one than it is to have Kevin King out there week one. Like Kevin King knows his secondary knows his locker room knows the scheme. Presumably, even if Joe Barry switches things up a little bit, he's got the higher football IQ than a rookie would. And like you said, we saw what, you know, Aaron Rodgers did to Jeff Okuda. We saw what they did to the Viking secondary, like not everyone. And I come back to this all the time is, yeah, I know that the Packers started Jair Alexander week one of his rookie year, but not everyone's Jair Alexander. And the chances that the Packers get a player that could become the next great cornerback, the chances that they, they play that way week one is very slim. So I, I don't hate this from that perspective, Um, and I think that there's a place and a pathway where the Packers do draft high, a rookie cornerback, and maybe that's a battle and maybe they take over in week five, maybe they take over in week eight. You know what I mean? And this is a one-year deal for Kevin King. It's not a long-term investment. It's just a one-year deal. So we can kind of, they can assess the room and, and see what a rookie can do. Um, so Yeah. No, I I agree. And I mean, I think even like using Jair Alexander as an example, yes, we've seen that all pro kind of ascension, but when he was a rookie, he had growing pains. It's par for the course as an NFL cornerback and he's playing his best football in year three. And he looked really good in year two. And we were kind of waiting for that progression. And I think it would be the same with, you know, whether whether they draft at 29 a corner, whether they take somebody high in the second round, whether they trade up like they traded for Jair. And there's a part of me that thinks, and, you know, maybe, like you said, somebody will beat out Kevin King eventually. If you get a guy like Asante Samuel, somebody that you know can also play nickel, there's yeah. just more competition for Chan and Sullivan. And at worst, you know, whether you're using your your rookie corner at nickel, in the slot, or starting on the boundary... Unfortunately, like we've talked about, Kevin King has an injury history. So signing Kevin King isn't necessarily the best insurance, 
you're still going to need young corners that can fill in in case there is an unfortunate injury. And, you know, you hope that maybe a rookie doesn't have to start over him week two because he's hurt, but those things happen and freak injuries and training camp happen all the time. So, you know, it's, yes, it's insurance, but it's not, I guess the best insurance policy. No. And that's why I thought that the Packers would move on. Like there were, there were a lot of things that I, was surprised about right like Aaron Jones coming back surprise pleasant surprise not wild like this to me was a, a major surprise it mainly was. because of money um to be honest and I, I guess the deal came out and it's really like one year four and a half with incentives to get him up to six honestly I thought the incentives were pretty disappointing I thought they'd be a little bit more in line with like Preston with like he has you know if he reaches a certain number of sacks and percentage of playtime and that could be in there I just didn't see it but um, I thought there'd be a little bit more incentive so he can come back and actually prove it because if Kevin King comes back and plays well like that's just a win for the Packers right um And if he doesn't, again, and the rookie kind of takes this leap over him, or even if someone like Kadar Holman, for example, takes this leap over him, again, it's it's a win-win. I just don't love that now this secondary's progress is somewhat predicated on the draft because that feels scary to me since last season. Like, we thought the Packers were going to draft. We had all these position groups that we thought the Packers were going to draft, right? And then they didn't take any of them. And I know that cornerback is so different from like wide receiver, let's say like the Packers covet that cornerback position and always have. And so it feels less like a bold statement to be like, yeah, the Packers are going to draft a cornerback early because they do that all the time, even when it's not a need. But now that it is a need, it the, the draft makes me more nervous. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I think that's a really interesting point. You know, you look at kind of the way that Goot builds his roster. And in 2018, they were moving on from, I mean, the the secondary was a mess in 2018. The Packers drafted Jair Alexander. They had Josh Jackson come in. In 2019, they needed help at edge. Nick Perry and Clay Matthews were leaving. They brought in Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and then they drafted Rashawn Gary early. The safety unit was a giant cluster. Mm-hmm. Ha Clinton Dix traded mid-season. Eddie Pleasant, Ibrahim Campbell, oh my God, Kentrell Bryce, <laughs> guys that aren't even in the NFL anymore. Um, Josh Jones at some point started a little bit. Uh, Jermaine Whitehead. Tons of players that kind of... Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams took some snaps at safety. So, you know, going into 2019 then, it was Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage drafted in the first round. They brought in Billy Turner to help fortify the offensive line and drafted Elton Jenkins in the second round. There's always been these moves. Mercedes Lewis came back. They drafted Jane Sternberger. And yes, you can argue that these players play different types of positions, offensive tackle versus offensive guard for like Billy Turner and Elton Jenkins. But Brian Goodkins kind of has this mold of bringing in vet help for the immediate future and then drafting a position to kind of learn and develop. So it's always that marriage of like win now and win later, which let's, let's talk about that because it's, it can be frustrating to Packers fans that maybe want to go more all in now, but it's also beneficial when your team's you can even argue, right? Like, they brought in Rick Wagner and then drafted offensive lineman and Christian Kirksey. And then now we have Kamal Martin and it is a pattern, 
Um, and I think it's a pattern enough that we're talking about it. Um, and I think it's a smart pattern. I think the only difference here, and, and this is really nitpicking at minute details, is that Kevin King was homegrown and not an outside free agent because that's what right. the pattern has been. But I don't necessarily think, like, again, I think that it's it falls into this mold of let's bring a vet in because I guess that's what Kevin King is at this point. Let's bring a vet in. It doesn't become a position of ultra need because we have Kevin King, but it becomes a position where we know we're going to draft it. And now this gives us more flexibility and freedom in the draft to find it where it feels like a value pick. Um, And I like that. I like that the Packers do that. I like this pattern. If we're making it up, then maybe we're making it up. I don't think we are. Um, but I still think that regardless of this signing, I would have gone into this draft hoping that the Packers use like their first or second round pick on a corner. And it's mostly because even with this one year deal, if you think that this guy is going to need to take over, you know, the drop off from first, second round cornerbacks to the rest of the draft is steep. Right. Like you want someone who's ready for the NFL. Um, And even like the difference between, and this, there's a lot of nuances to this. So I don't mean it in this way, but like the difference between Jair and Josh Jackson, right. Is that Jair was ready for the NFL. Josh was a little bit more of a project and which one is playing right now, you know? So I don't think it changes the way that I view the draft, but it definitely gives them some level of, cushion and I think that a large part of the reason that Kevin King probably came back is just because of the cap space this year like I think that if the Packers had the money to go after someone like Patrick Peterson or Richard Sherman they would have a hundred percent done that well I think that that's what's so interesting is because Kevin King kind of broke the mold and I think that's why a lot of people were so sure that King wouldn't come back is because when you look at players like David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, when they extended Brian Balaga and Randall Cobb a couple of years ago, even Aaron Jones, these deals got done before the player actually yeah. hit free agency. Yeah. Like when Green Bay wants you, they get it done before you can test the market. And I think that was kind of evident why they didn't bring Corey Lindsley back because we would have known about it before he hit the market. And that was just unfortunate them not being able to pay him. So the fact that Kevin King kind of tested the waters and said, hey, Green Bay is my best bet. And Green Bay said, hey, Kevin King is what we can afford. Yeah. That was kind of breaking the mold for them. Do you feel like, though, because when I saw the numbers that came out for this, I was like, who was bidding for Kevin King at one year, six million? Like, could the Packers have gotten him back for less? Or was this just a case of like, he has a great agent and this is what they ended up with? I was wondering that, too. And I think, honestly, if it was a bidding war, the Packers would have been okay letting him walk. So I think it was them trying to do right by him and trying to incentivize it just enough saying, we know what you did in 2019, you know, here's one more shot. And if you go make your money, you can make it on another team next year. But it, it really is insurance for both sides because now Kevin has a shot to play lights out and go make bank somewhere. Like he couldn't do this year. And it's not like he didn't get the bag, like cornerback, cornerback market is, astronomical like I fully expect Jair Alexander after next year to be making like 20 mil a year so this comparatively to like an average cornerback two starter in the NFL is nothing so I do agree there um 
I just think it's, I just thought it was a very interesting kind of look at it because I just couldn't have seen another team offering Kevin King as much as the Packers did. Um, and I know that, and then you, again, like you look at like a Malcolm Butler signing, which is around the same money and you wonder, was there just not another player the Packers felt like fit? And I hate the Malcolm Butler example because like they're so different and Malcolm Butler's 31 and Kevin King's still really young and I think has like some chance. The other thing I think about in this, and I want to talk to you about this because this is just another like major variable here is the Packers are clearly running it back. Besides Corey Lindsley, they're bringing the entire crew back. Um, And I think one, the signing says, if you stick with us, we will take care of you, which from an ownership, quote ownership, right? (laughs) From office to player standpoint is important. Um, And two, I think it says, look, we know we got rid of our defensive coordinator this off season. Maybe this wasn't a personnel issue. And I've been saying this all off all season. So I'm going to stick with this. Like maybe they're like, look, let's bring all the same pieces in and see what Joe Barry can do with them. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good point when you said that on Twitter initially is like Joe Barry came in and he was hype, like as hype as Joe Barry can be, you know, like for (laughs) his, for his introductory presser. But it was that same idea that like, yes, he's been on some pretty bad defenses, but if you look at like the star players, there weren't any he's coming in with one of the best true nose tackles in the NFL, mm-hmm. a, a fantastic edge rusher an ascending edge rusher. He's got one of the best corners in the NFL at every key position. His he's got the literal best safety duo. Like he's got all the pieces. Yeah. So I think absolutely if they're going to run it back, you c- you can't get better than the number one offense. So obviously the, the defense. defense was, was part of that issue. And I know that you can point to, you know, the offense did not play flawlessly in the NFC championship game. We know that they had turnovers that they couldn't capitalize on. Like obviously all of those things need to be fixed, but having a defense that you can rely on just a little bit more seeing what Joe Barry can do, I think could make the difference in this team actually running it back. I agree with you. And I just think like, and I think I tweeted this part too, and I really believe this. Like, I just think it's a really interesting, like that it's my team aside that I'm rooting for, like just case study on coach and scheme versus player personnel skill, because Joe Barry is getting all of the same pieces Petten had, all of them, right? The only free agent they lost significantly is Corey Lindsley, which is on the offense side. So he's getting everything that Petten had, plus potentially some, you know, rookie talent, can Joe Barry do what we as fans have wanted and what we have prayed for, for Aaron Rodgers, which is like, give him a top 10 defense. Can Joe Barry do this? Because he's got all the tools. And if it really was just a scheme issue and not a personnel issue, then that's an indictment on Petten and that sucks. But makes me feel better about some of the choices the front office has made in terms of who they're keeping, who they're drafting, who they're bringing back. Um, And if he can't, and it's clearly like the Packers have some unknown deficiency, whether it's cornerback two or edge or inside linebacker, whatever it is, then it's even more blatant what hole they need to fix from a personnel standpoint. 
So that's, yeah, I'm, I don't know how to articulate this without stirring up all of the stuff that we try to avoid, like on Twitter, <laughs> but I, it it does kind of make you wonder. But when you, when you look at this defense that Mike Patton had in 2020, he didn't get any help as far as high draft picks are concerned. And I think that that was one of the complaints that people had about the draft was obviously Jordan Love, AJ Dillon, Josiah DeGuara. You mean in 2020? What did I say? I'm just clarifying because in 2019, yeah. he got high draft picks. He right. got two first rounders. Right. So if you thought you were close in 2019, so I guess what I'm wondering then is, you know, you look at 2019, the Packers got to the NFC Championship game and we thought, obviously defense is the problem. Then you go to 2020 and the draft and they take all offense, none of which really contribute right away, but the Packers still have the number one offense. Thinking now going into this draft with the same pieces that they already have from 2020, we're thinking they're going to draft corner high, probably defensive line at some point. What does that mean for the Packers in their third year of trying to run it back with these same core pieces? Where's the issue? Is it that they're not drafting the right players or? I don't think it's not drafting the right players. Like 2020 is such a weird outlier to me. Like I, I need to see what they do in 2021 because is 2020 the direction that they're going which is plan for the future with the draft and just try to run it back right now? Or is 2020 just an anomaly and they pick the board the way they saw the players falling in terms of value and it we're interpreting it from an outside perspective as that way? Like 2021 is just me like really telling about like where the Packers front office head is. Um, because I don't think that this defense has a lack of talent. I don't at all. Would I, I'm really curious about what Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes are going to bring because I think that any kind of development there from like a athleticism on the inside, I mean, we've seen what those inside linebackers can do to an opposing offense is huge. CB2 is still a huge question mark, but I think that's a very easy hole to fix in the draft because there's tons, tons of ready players. And again, like the rookie risk thing is still there, but like, even just halfway through the season after five, six, seven games, like a rookie could be ready. And I just, I don't think it's a personnel thing. Like I think I want to see what Joe Barry does. I want to see what he brings in terms of scheme. I honestly think it's execution and there's just no way to plan for that. Like this Packers defense was able to shut down opposing teams. I mean, they shut down the Titans who is one of the best offenses in the league, you know, and they couldn't do it against Tom Brady and the Bucks, And it was just like really, really poor timing and just a showcase of, yeah, it's just a showcase of, of ex- what execution can do. I also wonder, and I thought about this today while I was on the radio because I hadn't thought about it this way is like, you talk about like the big stage and coaches on the big stage and whether, you know, and there's been questions after the NFC championship game, <laughs> you see people question Matt LaFleur right? Whether Matt LaFleur is ready for the big stage, whether he can actually coach a team into a Super Bowl and what that looks like. The question also goes for a defensive coordinator, right? Like why give up that touchdown to Scotty Miller at the end of the first half? You know, those are questions that, and I'm not saying that Joe Barry is the answer to these questions. I'm just saying that with a new defensive coordinator, we might see those questions answered. Yeah. And I mean, I think talking about execution, one of the things that, 
I think Ed Matlafleur owned this is they're growing pains and they're really unfortunate. But when you talk about running it back, part of what that means is giving Matt LaFleur one more season of growth as a head coach mm-hmm. and kind of learning how to make some of those decisions in big moments. And I know that, you know, like you said, that does also go for the defensive coordinator, which might be why he looked for a guy like Joe Barry, because we've kind of seen that. We saw him do that with Mike Patton. I know that Mike Patton was a McCarthy hire and he was more or less retained, but I think because Malafleur is so young, there's a part of him that looks to those guys that have been around the league to kind of fill his room with people that know how to make decisions in some of those big moments, even if maybe they're not always the right decisions. I know I do. And I think that a lot of Packers fans have like some weird qualms about this hire. And I do get that based off of his history, but from the perspective of pairing a vet, if you will, from a coaching perspective with a young rookie head coach, if we're continuing with this <laughs> analogy, that, that hire made sense to me. I think like Matt yeah. Lefler needs someone that he has been in the league who has that, I don't know, just, you know what I mean? That level of intel who he can lean on, who can pull from all of his years. And again, like I'm hoping, of course I hope that this is, you know, the resurgence of, of Joe Barry and in a successful defensive coordinator role. We don't want this to be the Lions or the Washington football team all over again. Um, he's being set up for success. Again, like he's being given, we've listed all these players. He's being set up for, for success. And I, I do understand the hire from that perspective from Matt LaFleur. Yeah. And I know that we'll talk about running it back in a lot more detail and kind of what that means and how the pieces that the Packers bring in and draft uh, will help with that. But before we wrap things up, I'm sorry, I'm so excited to see what they do in the draft because I just like, it's hard for me to understand what this team is going to look like and predict this season um, with, without those players. But before, before we wrap up, I actually want to know, do you think they're done in free agency? That's that's literally what I was wanted to ask you, you is, yeah, is before we wrapped up, like the idea of running it back. And uh, again, pairing vets and rookies, do you think that they will bring in like a defensive lineman or an offensive tackle? Like the market is to a point now where, okay, maybe not all, most of the big names are signed. The Packers weren't going for big names no. along the defensive line anyway, or, you know, they might get a cheap tackle like... Jared Valdir, Rick Wagner, like those molded guys where they're at the end of their career. And maybe if you draft somebody high to play tackle, you have swing tackle insurance. If David Bakhtiari can't start the season, just pieces like that. To me, I think they're adding more players before the draft. I I would be honest. I would be shocked, shocked. I'm not going to eat a cheese head, but I would be shocked if the Packers didn't bring in a defensive lineman in free agency. All right, we're gonna have to make a bet on that of some kind. Um, I think they're done. I, okay. I and I don't mean that in like they want to be. I just mean that in terms of where is the money coming from? That's why I always come back to this offseason. Like, what money is there for yeah. them to bring back anyone or bring in anyone rather? Um, and it's just not. It doesn't seem like they're restructuring Rodgers. If they are going to extend Devonte Adams, like they have, you know, they have tons of time to do that. That's not a pressing issue. And I imagine that that negotiation is going to take a while. Um, but the big, it's just hard. It's hard to feel excited when all of the players that they have signed in free agency are their own, you know, like the guys coming in new are so exciting, but like, we do have to remind ourselves 
Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, like those are big names at the top of their respective positions and the Packers retained them and that's exciting. And not every free agent that you bring in is going to be a success. Sometimes you spend money on players that don't pan out and the Packers have seen that before. So um, you just have to kind of like recalibrate. Yeah. And I think that's, I think a good example of kind of what I'm saying too, with defensive line is, you know, it's not going to be the top tier player that they're bringing in. The guys I think of are like, Billy Wynn, you know, when he right. came, it, it might not even be a name that Packers fans necessarily know. Somebody like Troy Alulu is a run stuffer for the Steelers. I thought it made so much sense. And then he went to Jacksonville. So I feel like there's going to be just a random name that potentially will sign. And part of it is just because, you know, there's nobody in that defensive line room. And unless you're drafting four big guys and you're going to let them fight it out in training camp, it just, it would scare me significantly if this was the defensive line that kind of trotted out to start the season. Cause it's one injury away from being a humongous hole. Literally. And yeah, figuratively. Quite, quite, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like we, I mean, we said this last season too, and they didn't do anything, but like Kenny Clark gets hurt and like what happens. And like, we saw Kenny Clark out and it was like, not great. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. Maybe they'll just like draft Christian Barmore like round one and we'll be set. I mean, music to my ears. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Perry, we have news, I guess, if you didn't check out Packers After Dark. So why don't you, why don't you drop the news and then your, uh, your social media and then we'll, we'll wrap this show up. Why do I always drop the news? Because I do the intros. Because I do the intros. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. So Packs, what she said is going live. We're going live on all services through Cheesehead TV, of course, our parent company, if you will, of this podcast. And we'll be going live once a month. It'll probably be, I think we decided the first Tuesday of every month. And it's just going to be us chatting, taking your questions, taking your super chats, taking all the things that you want to know, real interactive and live and video. So come join us. It starts April 6th. We're very excited. Um, we love the, we just love the interaction with everybody yep. that listens. Like we know that you're out there. We know that you're listening um, and we want to hang out with you. So it's going to be really fun. And uh, we may or may not be doing some live shows together in the same place this summer. What? What? <laughs> so get excited. There's a lot of fun stuff happening this off season. Yeah, well said. You can follow Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can also pick up some Packs What She Said merch if you haven't already. We love to see it, as we said, out in the wild. If you'll be at training camp, you should rock a Packs What She Said shirt because we will yes. see you there and it'll be awesome. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! And Jones! Trying to chase him down.